welcome to the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast, a weekly comic book podcast where we take a look at a brand new number one comic that's newly released in comic book shops as well as digitally, break down the story and art, give it a review, and tell you if we think that you should move on to issue number two. This is episode number 18. I'm Dan. That's Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. We also talk a little bit of comic book and related news, as well as what's new at comic book shops this and next week. And this week, we'll be taking a deep dive into Boom Studios' new number one, Ghost Lore by Colin Bunn. Beautifully said. Ghost Lore by Colin Bunn. A whole bunch of other people worked on this book as well. We'll get into all of them in just a moment, right after this break. And we are back with episode number 18 of the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. We're in the news section, but, Bob, there's not really any news this week. It's a very dry week. The driest <laughs> there's been in a while. There's actually no news to speak of this week. Again, I James Gunn, since his announcements, the news has just dried up. You would think with, with Guardians being released and... Uh, with, I don't know, James Gunn did say something about crypto, I'm not sure what, but I didn't even feel like that was enough news to pull out to really talk about. Like, it was like, a maybe crypto will be in the Superman movie or something like that. So that's not even worth mentioning, even though I just mentioned it on air. But still, not, not really much there. Uh, I, I guess, you know, speaking of Guardians 3, I haven't seen Guardians 3 yet, but you have. I have. Is there anything you want to say about Guardians 3? Of course, we don't want to spoil anything, but uh, I don't know. Did you have a positive experience, negative experience, a lukewarm? Um, did you like it? Did How did it compare to the other two? What are your thoughts? Well, I saw it Sunday, so I saw it uh, pretty much right when it opened. I was still in, we were still in the phase where people clapped after the movie, <laughs> oh, okay. which normally doesn't happen after the movie's been out for... A few weeks. Sure. I'd say it wasn't the best Guardians movie. I still think the original is the best. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely not up there in my upper echelon as far as Marvel movies. But I would put it in the upper mid-tier. Okay. So if you had to rank them uh, one, two, and three... What places would you give them? Uh, just the Guardians movies. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, just Guardians. To me, I do one, three, and two. Okay, so still better than two. I liked two. I thought two was, was kind of fun. I don't know. I haven't really seen a... I haven't seen a Marvel movie that I didn't like yet, other than I haven't made it all the way through uh, Sun-Chi yet, and I have not watched all of Black Widow either. So other You're than not those, missing a whole lot. Well sure. But other than those, um I, I've seen and enjoyed pretty much everything. So so I don't know. I'm I'm excited for this one. It looks fun. I like the high evolutionary stuff a lot, so hopefully that came through well and translated good on screen. I, you know, that is the, that is the only that is the only spoilery thing I will say. Okay. I do like his design. Yeah. 
I, I definitely do like his design. I mean, it's they they translated it from the page to the big screen very well. Good. Such a cool character. Such a really, I, I don't know, I really like that character a lot. I'm happy that they brought him into the MCU. I'm. Does this feel like the end? Like, is it a good, I don't, I don't know how to word it. Like, not is it a good send-off, but like, does it feel finalized? Does it feel like there's absolutely no chance, again, no spoilers, but like, that you're just not seeing these characters come together as a team again on screen? Like, do you, do you feel that in the movie? Yes and no. I say yes and no, because yes, it does seem like a uh, finale mm -hmm. somewhat, but... It's one of those, um, it's one of those, it's a finale for the iteration that we know. Okay. So, they could make more Guardians movies, mm -hmm. but how the team has been is not what they're going to do going forward. So, last question about the Guardians 3, mm -hmm. then. Uh, is there any universe where... James Gunn does this thing at DC for, I don't know, three or four movies. It doesn't pan out. He gets shit canned. And then Marvel invites him back to do a Guardians 4 or, a, or like a Guardians spinoff, and then he does. I, I, can, see, I can see that happening, <laughs> and I, I, definitely know a lot, I definitely know some of the actors. That would be the only way they would come back. Sure, I mean, sure. Dave Bautista, <laughs> you know... Has pretty much, I mean, when James Gunn famously got fired yep. for the tweet he made, mm -hmm. Batista, the only way he would come back and do another one is if James Gunn came back and, you know, sat in the director's chair. He was adamant about that. Sure. He's, he's very loyal, so... Yes. So, that's good. Loyal to the brand. Well... Good then. That's that's Guardians news for the week. Uh, probably the only Guardians news we'll get. Um, maybe maybe one day I'll see the movie and then I can talk about it some. But but for right now, you get Bob's take on it, and that's definitely good enough. Bob, were you a fan of the Meg? Did you see the original Meg movie? Did you like that at all? <laughs> um, I actually I actually was. I mean, I was I was surprised when I first watched it. Mm -hmm. I you know, I went into it thinking, okay, what is this gonna be? Is this gonna be another, <laughs> you know, cheesy B movie? So you're expecting like a Sharknado type of thing, maybe? I, I yeah, I definitely was. <laughs> and I, I was highly surprised by how much I I liked it. It's one of those movies where if it's on I will watch it. Well, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't know much about it either other than, you know, I'm a huge Jaws fan and, and I love dinosaur movies and stuff. So I was like, oh, I don't care what this is. I'm going. So me and a friend went opening night and I can tell you right now that there was only two other people <laughs> in the theater with us. It was completely empty, but we had a great time. It was a plus, lot of fun. Plus, you know, any movie Jason Statham is in, sure. I mean, it's not going to be Shakespeare well, no, by any means, but you know it's going to be action-packed. Yeah, and, and it was a fun movie. It was. So, have you seen the trailer for part two? I did. <laughs> I did. I don't know what to think about it, though. I mean, is it the Meg meets Jurassic Park? Man, I love it, and I'm really, really excited that that's what they decided to kind of open it with, like all of those... 
you know, dinosaurs and the evolution of all that and everything. I yeah, just it, the Meg chomping on the T Rex. Yeah, the only thing I'm sad about is that's probably you know just in the trailer or maybe like I, I doubt it's even in the movie, but if it is, it's just that scene. So I would love it if they would just go back and just do the Meg in prehistoric times. <laughs> Leave the humans out of it. We don't need them. <laughs> I'd love to just see some dinosaurs and megalodons, and that would be super cool. But uh, obviously, that's not what we're gonna get. So yeah, but every movie has to have at least one human in it. I mean, sure. that was that was the that was the biggest talking point about Transformers. And mm-hmm. so, like, you should have left the humans out <laughs> and just focus on the Transformers. Well, are there any movies where they just don't have humans in them? I'm sure something exists. What was that good dinosaur movie from Disney a while back? Well, I guess tons of animated things don't yeah, have people. Yeah, yeah, Land Before Time, oh, man, The Good Dinosaur. Yeah. I just Did The Good Dinosaur have any dialogue in it? I can't remember. I never saw it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I saw it you know, way back in the day, but I, I don't remember much about it now. I don't know. I wonder if that kind of thing exists. Can you make, could you make a movie possibly, a dinosaur movie or, or something like that, a creature movie, whatever, with no humans whatsoever and no form of communication, like no one talking, kind of like, I guess they kind of do it on like the Discovery Channel or History Channel or whatever, where they have those dinosaur fights and stuff, or they do like walking with dinosaurs. Sometimes they have narration, but I don't know. I feel like I have at least seen something where there's no dialogue. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Sounds fun either way. Let's give it a shot. There was that one really cool book a while back, something about reptiles. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was a dinosaur book, comic, and it was it was dialogue free. Age of Reptiles. Have you ever read that? I have not. Or, or looked at that, I guess. Right? I have not. <laughs> Actually, I've never heard of it till you just said it. Oh, okay. Very, very cool series of books. Really wonderful art in there. Really cool stuff. I strongly suggest you check it out. Well, look, since we're since we're kind of news free, I'm going to try something and I'll give us like a brief pause before I try it. So that way I can edit it out if it doesn't work <laughs> because it might not be that entertaining. I don't Knowing know. Knowing else, you'll have to edit. Yeah, probably. But I, okay, here's my question then. Yes. We know at some point moving forward, there's going to be an X-Men movie in the MCU. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to fan cast it because I feel like that's just overdone. Like, everybody does that. Who cares? Isn't AI doing that right now? Exactly. AI might be writing the movie as well. But that is true. <laughs> and all the dialogue and everything else. But hey, it'll save on hiring the director. Absolutely. Cut some cost. I like it. <laughs> but here's my, here's my thought process on this. I think there's, like, around, like, I don't know, like, 40, 40-ish core, like, X-Men or something. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and... You have you have your A's, you have your A-minuses, and then you have, like, your B's and C's. Yeah, sure, your, your D-list X-Men characters, the... the what's, the what's the one kid that, like, just blows up when he uses his power? Like, he can only use it the one time, and then he's dead. Oh, um... There was, like, a miniseries I mini can't remember his name, him. but, yeah. yeah, the miniseries of, what, the worst X-Men yeah, yeah. ever. Yeah, <laughs> it was, like, a five-part. Yeah, that was a cool series. So... And then you have Dupe. It, well, yeah. Oh, dupe, yeah. Well, I mean, any uh, X-Force, X-Static member, so, you know, very fun. Uh, so, so my question then is, how would you, if you were writing the next X-Men movie for the MCU, who would be your team? And, and the caveat to this is you can't just go classic. Like, you can't say it's okay. led by Scott Summers with Wolverine and, and uh, Jean Grey and Storm, like, 
you can add some of those characters, but it can't just be that. Okay. You got to make it like a good like eight to ten characters, and some of them have to be, I don't know, a, a little f- further back than that or whatever. And I get to pick and choose any X Men throughout. Yeah, sure. Their history. X Men, X Villains, oh, whatever you want. They can, they can cross over to the other side. Well, I mean, Magneto was the leader. Sure. At one point, I don't know if he's still the leader right now. No, nah, I don't think so. Because it, it is right now. <laughs> um. That's a, that's actually one of them right there, Magneto. Yeah, Magneto, great one. Um, then I I definitely have Wolverine because I I just love the character, and I'm talking about Logan Wolverine. Oh, Logan, I'm, I'm, not X twenty three. Come no, on, Laura not Kinney's X, a great character. Or right? Honey Badger <laughs> when she was I think she was Wolverine for a little bit there. Uh, yeah. Um. Then Gambit. Okay. Definitely. So that's three right there. That's three. You're still you're still going classic, so you got to throw me some oddballs. In I know. I'm 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 I'm, de- I'm definitely going classic. I'm trying to think. Who's of who's leading your team? That's the real question. Who's leading my team? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's tough. Um, I I don't know if he's leading my team, but I put uh, Nightcrawler on that list. Oh yeah, Nightcrawler is definitely a great X Men. Plus, I mean, he he has the badass power set. Yeah. Um, both sets a guy with the plus he has a sword. <laughs> um, I'd honestly put Kitty Pride on the team. Oh yeah. Um, Emma Frost. So what is that? Five, six. Yeah, I think you got six. Six. Let's see, I'll do two more. Um, I'd put. I'm going to go back a ways. I know she's more of an Avenger now, but I'd put Scarlet Witch on there. Mm-hmm. And sorry, but I'm not going to put Jubilee on there. You're I know, not, I know how much favorite? that disappoints you. Ah, oh, come on. And then I'll go uh, I'll go Storm. I know it's another classic, but I mean, Storm is just a classic classic. Yeah, Storm is definitely a great character to have on your X-Team, absolutely. Okay, so... So then I'll go, look, I'm going to make mine, I'll, I'll try to make them oddballs. I'll, I'll, I'll go that route. I, it's a dupe. <laughs> um, we're, we're definitely being led by Jubilee. That's, that's for sure. She's the leader. Who's the X-Men they raced out of existence because <laughs> he was way too powerful? Uh, and he couldn't control his, Matthew something um, or other. Yeah, what's, what's that dude's last name? I don't know. Um, Lloyd. Uh, I can't remember, but Jubilee. Yeah, Jubilee, number one. Psylocke, number two, because Psylocke, the second greatest X-Men ever. Would you Would you do Psylocke pre-split with Betsy Braddock or post-split with Betsy Braddock? I'm going post. Post. Yeah, post. Okay. Uh, Dazzler. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love Dazzler. Dazzler's uh, such a great, great character. Um, uh, Marvel's foray into the music scene. Yes, yes. I would get Forge on there for sure. I think Forge is a very fun X-Men. Um, and now it's going to get tricky because now I want somebody like Blink or like Marrow or something on there. But I think I'll go with Maggot. <laughs> <laughs> Maggot um, definitely. Maggot has, has some of the weirdest power. Has some of the weirdest... 
just features. Yeah. Yeah, Maggot, uh, a, a very interesting X-Men. Um, how about... I can't decide if I want to do Stacy X or... No, I'm going to go with... I'll go with the New Mutant. Um, I'll, I'll definitely put uh, Danny Moonstar on there. Danny Moonstar makes a Love a, a for great... Danny Moonstar. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely love that character. And then to round it out, I'm putting Laura Kenny on there. So we're putting... We, we have our Wolverine, but it's it's going to be X-23. So I'll, I'll let you do one more since I did it. One more? Okay, okay. God, I got to go... I got to go... Jesus. You got to have one reformed villain, though. Yeah? Yes. I had, I had Magneto. Reformed villain. You got to well, have at least one. Hmm. That that's that makes it tough then. Jeez. Uh, Even Apocalypse got along <laughs> with the X Men at one point. <laughs> Can I just get a giant like Sentinel or something? <laughs> is that is that fair? Jeez, um, let me think here. I mean, you could technically say Master Mold if you'd like. <laughs> I would like Master Mold. That that would be hilarious. Actually, what about? Okay, okay, reformed villain, I like it, Juggernaut. I'm <laughs> putting Juggernaut on there because he's just brute force and he's just, yeah. Well, I mean, there was that time during the Axis storyline where, you know, he became good. And yes. I think there's been a few other instances where he's got, not got along. I know he's <laughs> been part of the Savage Avengers before, so he has been on the side of good. Fun fact about Dazzler. Mm-hmm. When they were doing that whole foray into the music scene, yes. and they were talking about, you know, um, movie and actually having, you know, somebody portray Dazzler on the stage. Mm -hmm. The the rumor was it was going to be Bo Derek. Okay, so like way back in the day. Okay. Way back in the day. Because more recently, of course, there was talk of Taylor Swift playing the role, which... I I'm I'm completely behind that. That sounds amazing. I I don't know why that hasn't happened. But. I think she might have. Didn't she cameo on a poster? Yeah, like, something like uh, that. First, something happened. Uh, first class or um or um Days of Future Past or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something definitely happened. There was something mm -hmm. out there in the ether, and I just have to say now, why the hell would you not like, regardless of how much it's going to cost or or whatever. It's definitely worth putting Taylor Swift in that role. For one thing, it's a win for the MCU because she's still very, very relevant as a as definitely, a pop artist. Definitely, I think that you know a lot of people would, uh, a lot of her audience or whatever would cross over and see the X Men movie just to see her in that role. Yes. So that's guaranteed yes. ticket sales. And then, yes. I mean, uh, who looks better as Dazzler than than Taylor Swift in, in two thousand? You know, in the two thousand twenties, like. She looks like Dazzler. She definitely pulled it off. She, she's got like she's. I just I can't imagine. I, I want that so bad. Actually, now kind of what I want, and maybe I'll save this for a, another episode. Maybe we will fan cast the X Men as pop stars and see where we get. Sure, we could get some Harry Styles or, or whatever in there. So that could be uh, fun. That 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 be, be more <laughs> you because I'm not exactly into the me okay, music okay. scene well, right fair now. Enough, fair enough, but. Hey. I mean, if it's any musician in any era, I could probably come up with some. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? You could get your, uh, I don't know, I don't know what you Michael Jackson is Spider-Man? Yeah, your Eddie Vedder in there or something. <laughs> your your 90s grunge phase, why not? <laughs> Anyways, that's our news segment. Sure. <laughs> we'll be right back. 
we are back with episode number 18 of the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. And we're going to talk about some comic books that dropped this week in your local comic book shops. From Image Comics, we had the sixth and what appears to be final issue of Junkyard Joe. This is kind of sad. This has been like a really cool miniseries. I'm sad to see it go. Hopefully they do like a volume two or something with it. But it's it's actually been really cool. Been very, very interesting. Anything in that whole Geiger verse has been really cool. So sad to see that one go, but hopefully it comes back for something else. Speaking of something else, we have a new number one called Something Epic Number One. I wouldn't be able to say the creator's name if I tried, so I won't, but it looked like a really interesting book, and I believe that it was written and illustrated by the same person, so that's always really cool. A huge labor there for a comic. Next up from DC, we had Batman Inc. Or sorry, Batman Incorporated. Let me say it correctly. Issue number eight, with some kind of first team appearance of, I don't know, all these alternate jokers or something. And the first appearance of Tap Dance Man, Bob's new favorite character, who he's actually getting tattooed on his bicep this week. So Now I want to team up with <laughs> Tap Dance Man and Condiment King. I want that to happen, um, James. Please just make it happen. Just I mean, it could just be a one-shot. Why not? I mean, You did arm fall-off boy, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, wow. We also had a new volume of Green Lantern. We've got a new Green Lantern number one. And Bob, I'm going to grab... Sorry, I'm far, far away here from the mic. I've got my lantern ring. Ah, so, so you got a lantern ring. Yeah, I've got my green lantern ring right here to go along with my other stack of green and gold lantern rings <laughs> back there, red lantern, whatever lantern rings I have. You I have, can become a white lantern. I can. I have, like, tons of them. So very, very excited about a cheap piece of plastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> way more than I should be. We also had a new number one called Spirit World number one. Now, I'm not too familiar with this, but it does introduce a new character, and I would love it if you could say that character's name for me, Bob. But um, it's, yeah, there's there's a new character introduced here, and it looks like DC's going to be doing this with a few books coming coming up pretty soon. There's, now I'm, I'm completely blanking on it, but there's quite a few coming out. This is a, a six-issue mini, and it's got the newly introduced character. I'm going to go with Xanth. Xanth, okay, very cool. Well, yeah, uh, I don't know, just the title alone, Spirit World, makes it sound really cool. I see this character here with this awesome, awesome sword that just looks really cool. It looks like the sword from God Country, if you remember that book. Uh, of course, there's been lots of swords like this throughout you know, comic books and everything, but it's, mm -hmm. it's a very cool sword, and I'm very excited about this. It sword. actually looks like... Um... To me, it reminds me more of uh, Magic's sword. Yeah, it definitely looks like Magic Sword, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Just just a cool-looking cool sword there. Hopefully <laughs> hopefully the book pans out to be something awesome. But I do like the title, Spirit World. So hopefully that's something cool. From Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man issue number 25. So this is the lead-up to what we're going to find out happened with Peter Parker. What did, what did Spider-Man do? Hopefully we find out soon, but this is an oversized 56-page issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Which has a very cool Disney 100 variant. Oh yeah, that Disney 100 with the new Avengers, very, very awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, Mickey, Captain, the lead there, love it. 
Very, very cool. I didn't get my hands on the 1 in 100 this time, so that's now, I think, two that I'm down. I didn't get the Infinity Gauntlet or that one, so going to have to backtrack on those. But I do have the colorized versions, so hey, I'll take those for now. We've got Extreme Venomverse number one. It's got that first appearance of Samurai Venom. People, pick that thing up. Samurai Venom, you definitely are going to want that. It's very, very cool. Speaking of a samurai character, I don't have this on my list and it's not in our books released this week, but Iron, Iron Man, I think it was issue number eight, had a cool samurai Iron Man on the cover. It looked very cool. I did pick up a copy of that. Very, very cool looking. We got another volume of Silk, so we've got a Silk number one out this week. And to backtrack a little bit, I know I said last time that Spider-Man 2099 Dark Genesis number one came out that it had the first appearance of Blade 2099, but this apparently also has the first appearance of Blade 2099 in issue number two. So so maybe we're doing a cameo, first full type of thing on it. I don't know. So it's a Hulk 180, 181 situation. Yeah, we'll see if it ever gets up to that value, but yeah, <laughs> we got that kind of situation going on, as well as Flipside 3.0. Huh. Oh. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Sounds like a skateboarding trick from the 90s. but It uh, does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sure Tony Hawk knows all too well about a flip side 3.0. I'm sure. Those are the new comics that came out this week. We'll be right back after the short break. We are back with the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast, episode number 18, where we will be talking about Boom Studios' newest number one, written by Colin Bunn, Ghost Lore. Illustrated by Leo Max, colored by Jason Wordy, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Bob, those are some people's names that worked on this book. I am going to read off the synopsis from Boom Studios' website. We've all heard of ghosts, but what ghost stories to the ghost themselves tell? That's a confusing sentence. <laughs> After a deadly accident, estranged father and daughter, Lucas and Harmony, agate, can see the dead, an overwhelming amount of them. Each one with their own warnings, cries for help and malevolence alike. But... The pastor and his daughter aren't the only ones with this haunting ability. There are other nearly deads, some of which have malicious intents. Dot, dot, dot. Um, that's an interesting synopsis, given yeah. what we read in the book, because I will say that just right off the bat, I enjoyed this book. I definitely am a little confused by some of the dynamic in it but regardless i really enjoyed this book it was it was very nicely done mm -hmm. i think this is obviously a synopsis for the overall series and not really the first issue right because we don't really get into much of that here no we don't get into individual stories <laughs> we just know all the all the dead and nearly dead have stories to tell yes and if this is going to turn into like an anthology type of thing for ghost stories that like ghosts have to tell their stories to like pass on or whatever, then that's freaking awesome. And I can't wait. That's going to be really cool. But either way, this is, this is written very well and this is going to be very cool. It is. So look, 
<laughs> we made this joke earlier that this is going to turn into the Colin Bunn cast because last week we did a Colin Bunn book. You guys might be confused if you're following the podcast week to week and we made our announcement last week for a Scout comic uh, that I can't quite recall the name of here. Um, but we we announced that we would be doing a different book and surprise that book did not come out this week, at least in our local shops. So that one's on the back burner and we picked a backup, which was this ghost lore book from Boom Studios, mm -hmm. of course, written by Colin Bunn, much like Lamentations was last week. Um, now, that being said, uh, I, I think it was it was a good choice, a very good backup. Um, yes, and and was. and yes, we are we are now um, two for two <laughs> in Colin Bunn casting. Hey, all I can say is. You know, maybe by the third book we can get Colin Bunn on the show to talk to us. That's that's where my hope lies. That's that's all me and Bob want is some cool creators to talk to. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yes. So maybe one day that will happen. Who knows? Anyways, I'm gonna kind of go over my same uh, credits that I gave Colin Bunn last week. So I don't know if you zoned out during that part or if you didn't listen to last week's episode. Here we go again. Colin Bunn uh, begins writing comics around February 2005 with Future Quake. And then uh, on the Damned from Oni Press, as well as Six Gun, he did Fear Itself tie-ins for Marvel. Deadpool kills Deadpool. Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. Fearless Defenders, Venom, Monsters Unleashed, and Magneto. He did Harrow County, the epic, epic book from Dark Horse, along with Tyler Crook. He did Wolf Moon, and then he returned to Marvel in 2015 with Moon Knight. For DC, he did Aquaman, Green Lantern, The Lost Army, Lobo, Sinestro, and he did Micronauts for IDW. He also wrote on Uncanny X-Men with Greg Land on art. He co-wrote the Drax uh, miniseries with CM Punk. He did The Empty Man for Boom Studios, Conan the Slayer for Dark Horse. After Shock, he did The Unholy Grail, Dark Ark, Brothers Dracul, and Witchhammer, The Unsound, and he did Star Wars, Darth Maul. He did Venomverse and Bone Parish. And as I mentioned last week, Empty Man and Harrow County currently in different stages of being optioned or development. So... Nothing to shake a stick at. Colin Bunn, the master of of modern comics, along with, you know, there's some greats in, in modern comics. Like we, we keep talking about James Tynan. 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 God, I'll never get that right. James Tynan IV, uh, Colin Bunn. There's, there's just some people that just everything they touch is kind of gold lately. Um, and they're really pumping some stuff out. And that's definitely Colin Bunn. I mean, he's he's really really highly up there so we've also got leo max and i hope i'm saying that right because this uh illustrator just goes by leo max so maybe their name is like leo mac or something i don't know but either way not a whole lot in in the comic scene but the stuff that they have done is like super impactful because we're talking dc's uh Joe Hill's uh, what was Joe Hill's sublabel Hill House Comics um, imprint over at DC. He did Basketful of Heads. He did all six of those issues, and that is some outstanding art work on those. And then he also did for DC's Black Label Rogues. If you remember that kind of magazine size 
square bound books uh, for DC's Black Label that he did. So he did the art on, on those two books. And then, of course, moving here with Ghost Lore. So just a, a really, really cool creative team so far. I mean, we're talking some seriously good art. And then, of course, Colin Bunn uh, uh, pinning this whole thing. So that's that's a big accomplishment. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to read over my synopsis really quick. The book opens with a reverend giving a sermon while he and his wife discuss the declining attendance at their church. We learn that their son stops speaking to them and that their daughter begins smoking and plans to leave the family to move to New York City in a few years when she can. The reverend asks his daughter to drive the family home so she can practice driving because she failed her driving test and she's got to retake it. She then sees a ghost boy in the road and swerves into the woods, crashing the family car. And as they crash, the mother and son are shown as shadowy figures in the back seat, while the father and daughter are bloodied up in the front seat. The son then tells a story of a girl he and his friends bullied, and she turned into a monster either. I, I didn't catch right here if she killed his friends or just took them somewhere. Um, but he was never allowed to speak about the incident, otherwise she would come back. And then tons of spirits surround the car, and the son and mother are shown as dead. And then all the other spirits begin asking the daughter to listen to them tell their stories. And that's kind of how the book wraps up. Um, this, this one's interesting. So obviously let's get into the story and stuff. I think we're going to have opinions on it too, though, other than just... Normally what we do where uh, we kind of talk about the tangible things in this book, like the story beats, the world mm -hmm. building, the art and, and whatnot. I, I think, at least for me, I have opinions. Uh, so so anyways, let's get into the beats. How did you feel the beats worked in this story? I think that when we talk about the story beats here, it's, it's interesting because they're setting up for something. And Colin Bunn being Colin Bunn, I know he's going to circle back around on it. But it seemed odd to me in certain areas because we learned a good amount about the family and, you know, the like we learned things like the declining attendance at the church and, and stuff like that. And the of course, the stuff about the son, you know, that had a reason to be in there because that came up again later. The daughter smoking and, and wanting to move to New York and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not something that was circled back around in this issue. And I can't imagine how any of that could come up later. So the story beats were kind of interesting to me. I'm not sure of the intent um, unless it's laid out, you know, all together and then they circle back around on some of this. But but. The right. story beats Not, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right now they're just loose ends until, you know, he circles, he possibly circles back. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in later issues. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think that's interesting. That's uh, really, when I think back to Colin Bunn's writing, especially in stuff that I'm very familiar with, Haro County, um, the, the book that we just read last week, Limitations, there wasn't really any of that. It was it was very tight and very self-contained. Um, and and this, this seems a little bit different. Not in a bad way, but it just seems very different because you could almost break this into three parts. What happened before the crash um, and then the boy telling the story and then what happened after the crash. And, right. and it was almost 
like I could kind of foresee what I believe that they're going for is like the boy telling the story is kind of going to be what happens in every issue from now on. Like a ghost is going to have to come tell either the father daughter their story or the daughter or whatever. I'm assuming it'll probably be a father daughter team because he seems pretty important along with this. He does. Of course, you know, having like that juxtaposition of like a, a reverend or pastor or whatever, and then his kind of rebellious smoking teenage daughter with a razor so blade it, around yeah, her head. Yeah, it, like, it, it, it's a good yin yang. Yeah, it'll definitely be. I mean, I never saw Supernatural or the X Files really, but I assume like. Oh, you missed that out. <laughs> yeah, like those characters, they're probably like you know different from one another, and it's it plays out throughout. But, um, but yeah, I, I can see where this is going, or where I at least I feel like it's going. And I think it's a cool design and a cool concept. I just wonder how it came across to new readers in this first issue going back and forth like that and, and putting all that exposition on the family at the front end of the book. Yeah, you know, I will say for some number ones, especially like this, I mean, they're number ones. You know, comics are kind of like video games mm -hmm. to me. You know, they're number ones for everybody, which yep. is just like, you know, your standard, you know, um, you know, regular, you know, E for everyone yeah. type game. <laughs> sure. But then, you know, there's some comics like, you know, Dark Souls, mm -hmm. which is like MA, which is like your hardest, oh my God, you're going to get, you know, messed up throughout this entire game where, I mean, if you haven't read stuff similar to this mm -hmm. in you're just getting into it, you won't know what's going on. But yeah. if you have some experience reading comics like this, then, you know, you'll know what to expect. Yeah, this definitely has, like, a more... I don't want to say indie vibe to it. Like, the big two do this sometimes as well. But it's just not what I typically see from Colin Bunn. Like, that kind of front-end exposition and then... And then, like, breaking up into three parts. Right. Now, with that being said, you know, he's a writer on a lot of different projects. He's doing a lot of different things, and they shouldn't all be identical. He should, ex you know, experiment with different styles and different things, and, and I definitely applaud him for that. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong here. It's just a little different than what I expect from him. With that being said, I really like the concept of this story, and I like what's going oh, yeah. on moving forward. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so the narrative then, how did you feel the narrative worked for this book? I I guess we might have a hard time separating the story beats from the narrative with our opinions, you know, kind of what we said. I feel like the narrative works for, sorry, to an extent. Um, I feel like it gets a little confusing once we say that the the, the son character whenever we get into the, the son and he's telling his, his story that he couldn't tell or that he needed to tell to pass on or whatever, I, I think that that narrative was... I'm, I'm not sure how to place it. It was almost like they wanted us to think he was still alive telling that story and then the big reveal was going to be that he was dead, but I felt like that was obvious. Yeah, that's where the narrative with me kind of got muddled right in the middle because it took me a couple of reads of that same page before I could figure out, okay, did the son and the mother 
die in the car crash? <laughs> yeah. Or were they dead the entire time? Or, you know, were they alive till that moment? That's that's just what kind of threw me off. Yeah, I think that that was kind of the weird part of this. It, it didn't... I don't know. It wasn't obvious enough um, what was going on there. Yeah. That's the only part in this that, that kind of is iffy for me. I, I think that that part's a little weird in, in its storytelling, but... Other than the, just that one part, I mean, the re- I mean, the rest of it is just, you know, straightforward. You yeah, know, yeah. You can pretty much tell what's going to happen. It's just that, you know, and that might be nitpicking, you know, that might be... Oh, I didn't, you know, read it how it was intended. I didn't mm-hmm. interpret it how it was intended to yep. be interpreted. But that's just the only part that, at least to me personally, was kind of muddled. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. So how about the dialogue then? How did you feel about this dialogue? I want to say for me, going back to Limitations, that one was such an easy read. Even though it was an oversized book, it didn't feel like it. This was also an easy read. It definitely wasn't hard, but I, I felt the you know the the text a little bit more than I did in Limitations. I felt like it was there. Uh, we talked about exposition in that book and how it really didn't have much, and then this one's kind of got some loaded at the front end a little bit. And again, I feel like that will pay off in later issues. I think probably that has to do with the dynamic of the father-daughter character there, how um, you know obviously he's a, a reverend and... And he's trying to do the best he can for his family and have them uh, be, I I don't know uh, how to word it, but um, stereotypical, like, you know, good kids or whatever. And then his, again, his daughter's out here smoking and, and wanting to move away and stuff like that. So, so I feel like the, the exposition on the front end probably had a reason. Um, But as far as the dialogue throughout the story, I I definitely feel like it worked very well. I Mm -hmm. feel like, Every character had a good voice, and I was able to distinguish each character's voice, and, and it worked very well. And it definitely wasn't too much. It was an easy read. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, with Harmy, you mm-hmm. know, like when her mom has to admonish her for, you know, smoking outside. Yep. <laughs> I mean, she says, er, er, you know, um, you know, there's some. Um, exposition or dialogue i can't remember which um either it was the mother or the father who said it how the daughter every time she speaks to him it's you know with contempt in her Mm -hmm. voice and then again you know you have the mom admonishing her for smoking so Mm -hmm. it's like okay she does have contempt for him yeah, and there's something going on there. Of course, I feel like that'll be revealed in later issues, hopefully. But, but yeah, there's there's something about uh, this daughter and then father, and then even when you bring the mother into the fold, it's kind of real world. I feel like they took kind of like a slice of life. I could see that as a realistic thing that's not over-exaggerated. Oh, yeah. You know, you have this this uh, mother and father, this this wife and husband who are heavily involved in the church and stuff, and the, the father's a reverend and everything. And, of course, you know, the kids got to rebel a little bit. They have to kind of go against that. And, and the mom, not well, she's not, like, taking sides, but she's being a realistic person. 
hey, don't smoke where your dad can yeah. find you smoking. You know, not not hey, what are you doing? Don't ever smoke again. You know, she's more realistic. Than and that. it's it's like the mom tells the dad when um, he's talking about you know every time she speaks to him, she has contempt in her voice. Mm-hmm. The mom just goes. She's a teenager. Yeah. Teenagers uh-huh. is supposed to be that way to parents. Yeah, I, I like I really like the mom character. I like how realistic she is. I think that that definitely works, especially balancing out this family. You got a son who doesn't speak, you have a reverend father, you have a rebellious teenage daughter, and then the mom's just in the fold and she's kind of making everything work. She's like well, you know, now, and- sides of it. Now she's going to have a story to tell. Sure, sure. And I, yeah, that could be a very interesting story for her to tell. I can't imagine at all what, what that might be. So then let's get into the world building. We're, we're pretty contained here. We've got like what seems like, I, I would imagine like a, a little small town somewhere, yeah. um, you know, with this that, small. Yeah, that, that's what I'm getting, you know, like small town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, churches uh-huh. dotted here and there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, again, like I can see this, you know, as a real place. This definitely works. You're driving home from church. There's like a heavily wooded area and everything, uh, and then we have the world of like the spirit world of the ghosts or whatever. Uh, so so I like the world building a lot here. I think that they definitely brought this world to life. I like the character designs of the ghosts, how they're a little transparent, especially as their dialogue gets a little transparent and everything. I think yeah. that's really cool. And with it, with the you know spectral goldish mm-hmm. greenish glow, yeah, absolutely. Have to them. Yeah, that, and then I I really liked that first ghost that we see the the little boy with like the stuffed teddy bear or whatever. That's that's such a cool character design. Um, but yeah, the world building again, like it really works here. I really feel like I can see this kind of small town church mm-hmm. vibe in real life. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely works out. So over to the art then. Again, illustrated by Leo Max. The character, the character designs. Look, I think that we already said it up top. He did Basketful of Heads. He did Rogues. Um, <clears throat> or I'm sorry, they. I'm not sure uh, the gender of this uh, illustrator, so let me not impose what I think. But uh, yeah, but yeah, the character designs here. Really, really good. Really works in my the uh, the only and and again this may be nitpicking. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my just personal preference. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the facial features kind of get diluted mm-hmm. and muddled, especially in the um. Oh, and you you're not too far from it when they're sitting in the pew. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the book, oh, yes, uh-huh. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes just the facial features get a little too muddled and too, um, you know, they disintegrate a little too much. I guess is the best word to use. Yeah, well, it's got that kind of sketchy thing. I guess I'm very used to it with these horror books. They right. have that that sketchy looking vibe and, and, to and them. And that's what that's what I and the readers have to remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a horror themed book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I've said, you don't want horror themed books to have like Alex Ross, Matt Payne. Yeah, yeah, you definitely don't need that. <laughs> yeah, you know, art it doesn't work for it. Um, I'm just looking now as we were opening the book, and and I'm just realizing I don't know what this has to do with the story, but I'm seeing that the that the daughter character has what appears to be a whole bunch of cigarette burns down her arm. 
um, which I didn't notice before. And then as I see her mom catching her smoking, she's pulling down that sleeve to cover that up. So something I just didn't notice in my first couple of read-throughs that I'm seeing now, but very interesting. She's got some issues going on. Oh, yeah, on. she's definitely got some, some skeletons in her closet at the very least. So, so yeah, Maybe she has a story to tell. Uh, well, yeah, it could be that, too. Uh, very... Very interesting, though. So how about the locations? I already talked about the kind of small-town church vibe. I Yeah, the, the locations work well to me here. Mm-hmm. That, that church looks great mm-hmm. on this kind of dark night. The the woods behind it almost being like a, I don't know, evil character back there in the background with the dark uh, blacks and purple hues all over it and everything just looks really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And again, once we get into the woods, like the crash scene and everything, I really love that. The these locations look great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely works out very, very well. I I do like how once we get into the middle of the book, and the son is telling his story, how the art just completely changes. I mean, it's daylight. Everything's very, right. very clean. It's Where very it's vibrant. Different. Yeah, and brand new looking. Yeah, it's, and it's very interesting. Yeah, right. we, we get the the monster creature there and it's just so detailed and just yeah it's, it's very very interesting how this artist is able to do those two different things in the same book it's very very different unless that is a different artist so i mean it definitely looks like it is so I, i'm not sure but well and i mean that just adds to the whole you know the um congregation is dwindling you know every week because mm-hmm. you know the townsfolk didn't think anything like uh, those two boys going missing whether they be dead or not yes um so i mean that just leads into the whole okay this happens so they go it's going from vibrant you know everybody's showing up mm-hmm. to you know just less and less people showing up and getting a little more uh dilapidated is a bad word to use <laughs> but i can't think of anything better to use yeah, and look, I'm I'm looking here now at this uh, inside cover, and and I'm just learning now that 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 is illustrated by somebody different. It's illustrated by Brian Hurt and colored by Bill Crabtree. So that is some separate art in there, and I'm wondering if maybe moving forward, as you know, the issues go along, and we're seeing these different stories being told by the ghost if it's going to be illustrated by this team or or maybe different teams, I think that that would be cool. That that would be definitely something very, very cool to, to do in there. And, and that again, that's called the unfolding. So unfolding is that story, that B story that's being told in here from the son's ghost perspective. So then let's get into the backgrounds. And and again, now we're, we're almost anthologizing this, but... Uh, but yeah, uh, I kind of talked about this woodsy, like, I don't know what you call those. Uh, I don't know if they're vines or, or what's going on there, but this kind of overgrownness that has these darks, dark blacks and purple hues mm-hmm. to it and stuff. I think that's really cool background. And it goes throughout at least the first portion of the book here behind the church and everything oh, yeah. in that and you, wooded area. You, you can definitely tell, you know, there's some type of evil by just seeing those overgrown vines Mm -hmm. or whatnot yes yeah uh and again in the backgrounds you know the woods the sky the everything that's great here it's i i i'm really loving the colors in this it's very very vibrant Mm -hmm. 
works very well. I think the backgrounds look wonderful. We get into uh, the the crash into the tree again, and it's just there's ghostly spirit figures coming up and and automatopoeia and everything, and it just looks great, blends nicely into the background here. So I, I think the backgrounds are done very nice. So the last thing, the colors, and I kind of already talked about those quite a bit. Yeah, the colors look, look great. There's a lot of yep. very, very vibrant colors in this book, and then there's a lot of dark that still is, is lit up beautifully. So, See, and I mean, the, you know, like I've said, I mean, you have the newness before the incident happens. So, I mean, it's nice, vibrant, you know, you get sun shining and all that. Mm -hmm. And then you have the not so new after you know that stuff went down where i mean it just seemed like perpetual night and mm -hmm. i mean you just had that you know uh washed out darker tone looked uh everything so yeah the colors definitely work yeah absolutely i i'm really enjoying the colors on this so uh, a lot of credit goes out to that colorist who is uh, Jason Wordy. So, yeah, very, very nicely done on on all of that there. So, Bob, the, the big question, would you move on to issue number two? Oh, I'm definitely moving on to issue two. Yeah, this is, to me, even though it it's, it burns a little slower than Limitations did, um, same same thing. Like, I, I have to know what's going to happen in issue number two. I'm going to I'll be following this out throughout the series. There's nothing that could make me not want to continue to read this. It's such a cool concept to know that there are spirits that, you know, are trying to pass on to the other side and they, they need to tell their story first. And apparently this is going to be the team that, that has to hear those stories. So I love that concept. I think it's wonderful. And this is 100% just a, a TV show in the waiting. Like there's, there's no way. It does seem that way. Yeah. Yes. Th this has to be something it, it's almost like, I don't know if you ever watched Ghost Whisperer with Jennifer Love Hewitt that, that came out a few years I back. Not. I actually loved that show. I mean, it was very campy. It was almost like if you took like the Hallmark Channel and made like a, a ghost type of uh, television show out of it. But it was fun and it's got the same kind of vibe, but I could see this being much darker in tone and, and have the same kind of thing going I on. I was too busy watching X-Files. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely a win for me and, and Bob alike. Uh, that's two for two for Colin Bunn. Definitely, definitely working. Um, I strongly suggest you go out and pick this up. It's got quite a few different covers. There was a one per store thank you variant that looked amazing. Maybe seek that out if you can. But yeah, great regular covers, great incentive covers, whatever cover you can get your hands on. Or if you can only pick this up digitally, I strongly, strongly suggest that you do. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hello, all new, all different nation, and welcome back to the all new, all different number one comics podcast. This is episode number 18, and we have a very, very special guest all the way from somewhere on the other side of the globe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Lawrence Goodman. Hello, Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Uh, thank, you for, thank you for having me. I'm really yes, excited to be here. Course. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you on. And can you tell our listeners exactly where you're from so we can get that right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Somewhere um, English. But... <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm from. Uh, I'm, I'm from London. Um, uh, so yeah, UK. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> from that part of the globe. <laughs> yes, that 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 region. Now, uh, a few episodes back, we were talking to somebody, and I said they they were like from Brazil or something, and it was like the completely Portugal. Yeah, Portugal. It was like the complete wrong area of the world, and they were just <laughs> the same language. Kind of looked at me like, "Wow, <laughs> you idiot!" But but yeah, I'm I'm glad I didn't do that here. But uh, but yeah, I I think that you know that's really cool. I was looking whenever we were originally scheduling this to try to. Uh, sync up our time zones and everything and it looks like the uk has like a singular time zone yes that's right yeah 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 very cool very cool here in the states there's like i don't know five different time zones three, and it makes four, no sense five time <laughs> yeah. zones. it's so confusing Texas i'm like we're a couple of miles away why are we in a different time but mm-hmm. whatever this, you guys got it figured out there so. it gets a little complicated in in europe because if you go um, so, like, Spain is an hour ahead of us, despite okay. being uh, west of here. So okay. you think you think that would be the other way around? But it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. make a lot more sense. And then when you get in Russia, it's really confusing. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure that sounds very confusing. We talked to uh, Ben Templesmith a little while back. We haven't had him on the show yet. We haven't been able to coordinate just yet. But we spoke to him and. Australia is just a whole nother beast. They're just, their time zones are so different from ours. So yeah, very, very hard to coordinate with someone in Australia. If you ever try that out, just a little. Yeah. It's pretty much the opposite, isn't it? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Eight eight o'clock in the morning is there eight o'clock at night. Yeah. You basically either, somebody's got to, you know, wake up while they're supposed to be asleep. So that's the only way to do that. But yeah. But if you said like 11 at night, (laughs) be like it's eight o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Anyways, uh, absolute pleasure to have you on all the way from London. So that's very cool. How's the weather in London today, if, if, if you don't mind telling us? Yeah, uh, we, had, we had thunderstorms yesterday. Um, okay. Today has been just patchy rain. Um, yeah, I, I hear and there, was, there was a half yeah. hour of sunshine, so that was nice. Really? Okay, so you were able to go outside and look at the sun for a minute. Like very Florida cool. yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool. So... Of course, let's let's talk about Gray Cells. That is your your new comic book that you have a Kickstarter for. And we're we're uh, kickstarting the the sequel, um, which uh, we're going to launch on Kickstarter um, very soon. Um, right. So we're just uh, just finalizing a couple of bits for the for the page, and then we'll um, we'll be uh, putting that live um, in the next couple of weeks, I think. Very nice. Now, are you gonna? You're working with the same creative team on this, like it's. Yeah, really lucky that we got to got to hang on to everybody. I managed to uh, keep the ball rolling and didn't lose people to other projects. Um, uh, so Kay and I work really, um, really well together now. He's he's the artist on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he um, uh, <laughs> sort of was terrified that he'd uh, move on to a different project because um, oh, his, yeah. his artwork sort of really brings it to life. Um, uh, yeah, and luckily, so, I mean, luckily given I'm, that art that, that he's pumping out for you, yeah, I would be very scared of that too. He's such a good artist. Yeah, and then um, Corey as well is the uh, colorist on it, mm-hmm. and um, fantastic colors. Like yeah. uh, originally, we did the we were going to do the book in, in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, and I, I thought I was really clever because I came up with the name Gray Cells, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it, it sort of, uh, it sort of has works on three levels because it's about um, an abduction. So there's there's these these children being locked in in literal gray cells. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about mind control. So there's uh, there's you know you 
brain grey cells. And then yeah. if we did it black and white, they would be grey cells. <laughs> I was so I was so chuffed with myself. I, I thought, oh yeah, you're a genius. Um, and then. <laughs> Uh, Kay convinced me to reach out to um, Corey and um, get a few test pages done in, in colour. And then it, it really brought the book to life and added a whole new dimension to it. So uh, we didn't look back once once we did that sample. Yeah, and I, I could just imagine now kind of having that vision in your mind of it in black and white and then getting those those sample pages in from the colorist and just being like, holy shit. I mean, that's on a whole nother level. It's... Uh, it's it's done very nicely and of course i want to talk about the art and we'll talk about the art uh now for anybody just joining in or anything uh lawrence goodman is the the writer and creator of this series um but but he is going to give some some nice details about the art as well hopefully if, if he doesn't yeah. mind but uh but yeah this the artwork on this book just you know initially uh, of course it, it takes a little bit to get hooked in on the writing on any book you know you especially with comics as a medium, you're definitely first drawn to that artwork. You're drawn to the cover and then you open it up and you get the interiors that are, you know, typically uh, illustrated by somebody other than the cover artist. And then, and then, you know, you're either hooked in by that and then, and then, you know, comes the dialogue and the story as it unfolds and everything. Um, and this, uh, you know, just, just right off the bat, this all works very, very well together with you writing the, the colors and then the, the illustration there by Kay. But I wanted to talk about some of that illustration because whenever we go into the the kind of grimy like frogman scenes and stuff like that, I'm just I'm automatically transported to like 1980s uh, New Mutants Bill Sing Cabbage. Like that's where my mind goes, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, Man, this, <laughs> yeah. It's it's really good. It's really it's got this nice abstract to it, but it also has so much detail that's just I don't know, just just flying off the pages and stuff. So I, I have to imagine you must be very, very proud of all the work that you guys put in this together and then how it came out. Uh, did you have any, not discrepancies, because of course, uh, again, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there that you have to be in love with with the way that this turned out. But uh, did you have a any different visions originally? Did you think this might come out differently? With uh, so uh, originally um, I was intending to to draw it myself um but i'm oh, okay. i'm nowhere near uh, as good an artist as um as k is so i i um i, I did a few pages uh and i it was just flat it was it was not not great um and it was just missing that like little bit of magic uh, so I, I took to um i took to reddit uh, and went on to comic book collabs and looked through a few portfolios and i found uh, i found k's and I, I messaged him. We started talking, and we grew up on similar um, similar comics. So mm -hmm. um, interesting, you sort of saying like New Mutants and stuff. That was the sort of comics that we would have been reading back when we when we were kids. Oh, great. Um, so uh, he, yeah, we we sort of gelled, had the same ideas for what we wanted to do. I sent him the pages that I had done, mm -hmm. um, but he he uh, went his own direction with it. And um, I, at first, I was really prescriptive with the, the descriptions of what, what I wanted, what I wanted included in each page. After the first batch came back, I stopped being so prescriptive. I just trusted him completely. Like it was uh, any idea I had, he would just dial up to 11 and mm -hmm. made it so much, so much better. Um, he's got like this really uh, visceral way of... Um, of making the artwork so he he paints with like razor blades and um 
toothbrushes and uh, all, all these things to get these really interesting textures wow. um, on on the page. And uh, it, yeah, just it just added a whole another level to um, uh, to to the work. So at first, I was really prescriptive. I had I had like this vision of what I wanted to do, but I didn't have that same uh, artist eye that, that he did. So when the pages came back. Um, I was like, okay, yeah, right. This is your book now. Uh, I'm just going to give you some words, uh, mm-hmm. and then what, I just trust completely what what comes back. Yeah, and that's uh, again, I I really can't imagine, you know, as far as uh, look, we all know Reddit is a, a very useful website, a very useful forum to to find others and talk about like interests, and then uh, obviously for for things like this, collaborating and and whatnot. I just I can't imagine the level of, of of finding an artist like that to to help bring your vision to life. Now you say you're an artist yourself. Uh, you 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 illustrate some as well. I just I mean I'm imagining. I, I can't because I can't draw, so I can't I can't really imagine. But I mean I'm imagining myself. You know when I when I write a story or whenever I write a script out. You know I, I have a vision in, in my head and then. To see it executed by somebody else, uh, when I've when I've gotten you know character designs or something back, is just just wonderful. So that whole experience must have been great, especially working with with Kay here, and then the colors that you guys did work with, just really really outstanding stuff there. Um, we definitely like to talk about your your history in comics, and 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 what I mean by that is you know if you've if you've published anything before Gray Cells or or any other works in comics you might have done, and if not, uh, totally fine too. I mean, I can't imagine this is a this is quite an undertaking for a first effort, uh, a six part yeah. series. So, um, yeah, I'd like yeah, to was, hear what you've got. It, yeah, it's my it's my it's my debut book. Um, I hadn't wow. hadn't <laughs> written, written anything <laughs> before. Jeez, I can't um, imagine. That's awesome. I have I have uh, I have written um, over the years, so I've done. Um, some uh, short short stories and, and things like that. So I'm not not new to to uh, writing, but um, I've not not been published, not, not nothing serious. Uh, just wow. just a hobby that I'd always always had. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, went into um, went into uh, lockdown during COVID. Yes. Um, suddenly had loads of free time. You know, I wasn't uh, wasn't commuting three hours a day. Um, I, I, I just had like extra brain power that I could dedicate to, um, to something creative, uh, had loads of extra energy because I'm not, uh, you know, stuck in an office and, um, then stuck on a train then stuck in an office and stuck on a train. Uh, so I, I just sat down and the world was really interesting at the time. You know, it was filled with terrifying things like the the news was scary the whole world was was mad um everything seemed to be everyone seemed to be divided into like two different worlds where we were both living in simultaneous realities that did not mesh with one another uh and that's got me thinking about like the things that used to frighten me when i was uh when i was a kid and um so i sat down and this is the first time i really got to plan and put a load of thought and and effort into um, this kind of story I wanted to tell mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah it was, um, it was just really lucky that I managed to get that time uh, that I could dedicate to it yeah well uh, again to me quite an undertaking I mean you have this this very fleshed out this definitely reads as somebody who's who's written in their entire life and and has uh you know 
tons of things published and everything. So you're you're definitely on the right track there. I could definitely see this as a as a monthly book or or whatever. Um, I I know you probably you know, for the most part, told the story you wanted to tell there with that first volume. And, and now you're, you're getting out another volume, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is, this is right up there with some of the stuff we read from, from boom, from image, from uh, dark horse. It's uh, definitely a high caliber of writing in my opinion. I, I definitely applaud you for that. This is, you know, to anybody wondering if they should back this or not, of course, go check out the Kickstarter and, and, you know, check out the, uh, the information that's there, but but, you know, Bob and I can tell you, I mean, this reads like, you know, I was just talking about Colin Bunn. I mean, this reads like something, you know, Colin Bunn could have written, something Joe, <laughs> Joe Hill could have written. It, it reads very, very well and, and very intelligently. So, so yeah, this is, you've, you've done an outstanding job with that. Is, is all no, thank, thank you very much. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, let's talk about your influences then some. Like, where do you, uh, you, you talked a little bit about how you, um, you know, used to read comics as a kid and, and, you know, maybe you used to read some like X titles or new mutants or whatever, like where do your influences come from? Like, where do you stand in the comic world or, or whatever? Yeah. So for, so uh, going, going back, like when, uh, as a kid, like I, I loved um, like Spider-Man, X-Men, all, all those sort of titles. Um, we, I was a bit limited in what I could get hold of, um, growing up, growing up here. So I did read a lot of, um, do you remember the, uh, red and blue Superman, you know, like the awful period. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that was the only one I could get regularly. So I read a lot, <laughs> I read a lot of that. I wouldn't say it influenced me, um, how, how maybe not to do things. Yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> maybe influence you to write a good comic. Um, and the, but I, I sort of rediscovered um, comics as a as an adult. So I, I really like um, like Ed Brubaker stories. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's I, I pretty much uh, I, I, I've went through a massive Batman phase. So I've mm-hmm. sort of just absorbed all all Batman stuff. Um, and then like from from non comic book things at the time, I was reading a lot of Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's probably quite a lot of that sort of seeped into the the book yeah, as well. I, I can definitely see a Stephen King influence. Uh-huh. In but yeah, I, I I sort of got quite a quite a broad ta- um, taste in stuff. I started reading. I, I started branching into sort of more um, indie things. Um, I, I like a lot of the stuff that's coming out, like uh, Fair Square. Mm-hmm. You know, Fair Square comics. Um, so uh, like, uh, Black is a New Noir. Uh, again, you you write and illustrate. Not on this book, you're you're solely the writer. But uh, what what came first? Um, are you an illustrator turned writer? Are you a writer who also, also I'm a, illustrates? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a writer who tries to draw things occasionally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I I find it um, I find it does sort of like spark your imagination sometimes. So rather than uh, if I'm if I'm trying to come up with a, a character, I, I'd rather sort of like doodle one, and then and then I, I see things and I, and it starts to like spark stories in in my head. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't. Uh, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a career career off those. Into the writing, understood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think this is just such an undertaking i think that the story that you were able to tell here and then convey along with the illustration just really holds up and and really is in that kind of top tier of 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 horror writing that that bob and i have been reading for the show lately so uh 
I have to ask with the Frogman character himself, is that what you initially went with? Like, it was that your vision of the Frogman character? Did you think that he would kind of like morph in the way that he does? Um, was that some direction that you gave to Kay or? Yeah. So uh, there was that. It, 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 this, we're definitely like symbiotic. Like okay. I, I, I forget where, like what my idea was and what, what his, his idea was. I, I, I did pitch it as something like a, um, he's not, he's trying to appeal to these kids uh, so he's trying to come off as with like a friendly vibe. So he's he's like a a distorted Kermit the Frog is <laughs> what he thinks in his head is he's projecting. Mm-hmm. But because he's warped in his mind, then uh, it, it's not quite. It's more sinister than that, and it, it and he can't keep it can't keep it straight. Um, and then K, I think yeah, I'm pretty sure K decided to draw it differently every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I, yeah, it was it was great because it it sort of fed into that um, idea that we had where it was you can't really trust your senses and mm-hmm. everything is changing and you're not really sure what's what's real and what isn't in any scene that he's in. Going back to the New Mutants thing, I was talking about Bill Sinkavage earlier and what he did with New Mutants. <clears throat> when I think back to that Demon Bear uh, storyline, you have this Demon Bear, you know, who's who's uh, you know basically like taking everything out of Danny Moonstar. And then, you know, she's, she's laying there and, and, and everything. And, uh, and every time that, that the demon bear is coming to her in her dreams, he's, you know, bigger and bigger and more ferocious and he's different every time. And sometimes he's a, a full two page spread. And sometimes he fits very nicely into a small yeah. panel. And I, I see a lot of that there, not, not as like a rip or anything, but, you know, maybe as like an influencer or a similar kind of character that just, like you said, you can't really trust what's going on. It's more like your fear of what's going on or, or what you're feeling with the character. So I, I can really appreciate that. I really like the depiction there. I think that, again, I just think it's wonderfully done. Yeah, I, I, um, I, one of my favorite um, villains from like X Men was the, the Shadow King. Like that was, <laughs> okay. nice. yeah, that was right up. Talking like, about Shadow King earlier, nice. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I, he, I thought that, that Frogman reminded me of reminded <laughs> me a whole lot about of uh, Shadow King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that definitely ticked a lot of uh, boxes for me when I was a when I was a kid. I, I just thought that was the coolest villain. Um, again we're we're talking about excuse me the 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 book coming out now this is self-published or yeah so uh, we we have got um we have got a publisher in the the uk they're they're uh in uh in indie um, company so they they uh published the first one with us um so we, we uh did the whole thing ourselves and then uh they came on board to distribute it Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, they're 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 on board with it. They're called Mark Hozier, um, okay. but essentially it's uh, with with outside of of that. So it's all sort of funded by ourselves. Um, we've got full creative control and everything, and then um, they they help us with um, some distribution afterwards. So um, getting it onto like uh, into Comicsology and um, Barnes and Noble and that sort of thing. You said that this was originally published as, or, or sorry, uh, released as the six individual issues, and then and then combined into the the trade. Or so uh, we did. Um, so I broke it down into six issues when I when I wrote it, 
um, but we did the Kickstarter and released it all at once. So okay. we, we got, got everything in. Um, I did do issue one free, and you can still get issue one um, free on our website. Okay. Um, for anyone who, who wants to check it out and dip their toe in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea originally was I was going to do them in uh, like in installments. Um, but then I, I felt like uh, whenever I've done a Kickstarter, I'd rather get all of it at once because you never know whether um, the you're going to get the ending otherwise. Uh-huh. Uh, and especially with, um, you know, you don't know how long it's going to take um, for the next issue to come. And I, I didn't want people to be hanging around for, for months and not know what the, the next bit is and then potentially lose steam. So I, instead of uh, releasing them one at a time, I ended up just holding off until we had all six ready and then um, uh, let them all go at once. But um, we are, you can get them as individual issues or you can get them as the full, um, the full novel. Well, yeah, that's really cool. I can imagine reading this, you know, month to month as it's coming out with all the, you know, just wondering what's going on with the children and, and the frogman and everything. Uh, that would that would be, you know, uh, a, a really, I don't know, I can just imagine the anticipation of, of wanting to know what's going to happen next. It was very nice to read all here contained, of course. Um, so, so volume two. What can you tell us about volume two? Obviously, you know, we don't want you to spill too much, but <laughs> whatever yes. you can tell us about volume two. Yeah, so it, it picks up. Um, so the, the first one the first one was a self-contained story, um, and so, so is this one. So it features um, some of the characters from the original book mm-hmm. uh, and picks up in the aftermath of, um, of the, the first book, uh, but introduces new characters and a new scenario, so it, it stands alone. Um, whether the first book was around um, some some children were abducted mm-hmm. and um, no one believed that uh, that they'd gone missing they thought they were were runaways and it was this journalist that, that dug deep and, and started to to look into things and, and discovered this this creature this frogman that was taking the children and um, that her investigation is the first story. The second one is about um, uh, an artist, uh, a musician who's just about to um, make it big, like just about to hit the big time mm-hmm. when he comes uh, afoul of something supernatural. And uh, it's a little bit influenced by um, uh, the 90s mummy, the Brendan Fraser uh, film um, awesome. in, in the uh, he he's her, her, he's attacked at the beginning and um, it, the this supernatural thing seems to be feeding off of people and absorbing um, parts of them to to make itself stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, it's 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 that that's the it's a little bit uh, different different characters um, self contained story again. Um, where the first one was about um, really about the the kids, uh, some the um, those characters are still in this one. They mm-hmm. they've got uh, they're, they're like the B plot of it, while the the main plot is introduced with, with new characters. That's really cool. I have to admit that I really uh, those kinds of stories that follow like a band or a musician are like very close to my heart. Like I like those a lot. Um, I feel like they're not always executed super well but the ones that are out there that are executed well like just i i love those a lot they're they're so fun to use a band or a musician as as 
your lead in a story. There's just so much about them, you know, that, 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 that can be told and, and so many like little crevices that you can dig deep into. So I think that's really cool. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Can we ask, and again, uh, if, if you can't answer, then just don't answer, but does, <laughs> is, is Lena gone? Does she return at all? Uh, she, or, yeah, she, okay. she's, she's back. Yeah. Um, very cool. Uh, yes. Spoilers for the first one. <laughs> yeah. Really? Um, yeah, she, she's again, uh, central to sort of, um, and where the, uh, Frogman was the, the, uh, he was like the, the Darth Vader of the <laughs> first one, but there is an emperor behind him. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, and she's looking to pull those str- and see where where that leads. So her investigation's carrying on, and she can't let go of. Uh, she she's not satisfied with the ending of the the first one. She wants to dig deeper. Um. So she's coming up against some people that are um have have more power than um uh, pol- political and um, economic power. Is is the supernatural part, the psychic part of it? The um, I really like whenever those are involved, like in a in a police procedural or something like that, because we all know that that has like some real world implications. That happens sometimes, which is kind of blows my mind. Like every now and again, you hear a story of how you know a psychic did come to the police, or or they work with a psychic and say they've seen this, and then they go check out this area or whatever. These are things that actually happen in the real world, which uh, again, like it just, it kind of blows my mind that that's out there. We, we think so much of, you know, that's not real. That's not a, a real thing that happens. That's obviously, you know, somebody acting or somebody playing or somebody that's crazy or, or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and again, these things actually happen in the real world. What, did, what was the influence for that? So with uh, I, I always um, I was always drawn to that sort of um, I, I loved like voodoo and psychics and um, all those things growing up. I, I was uh, a big fan of um, yeah, I, I, like so. My favorite villain in X Men was uh, Shadow King, which is the is an enemy of like um, Professor X. So I like the psych. I was already in that. That was. Um, that was a bit the main influence. It all it all sort of stemmed from um, what frightened me a lot was the thought of like losing control of your your mind mm-hmm. and losing control of your your senses and not being able to trust reality. And then like an extension of that was um, how would you how would you create a villain that could could do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and again, like this sort of Stephen King influences a lot of psychic villains in in his stories so i was like okay yeah that's that's the the angle i want to take with it um and then uh in terms of sort of like the police procedural thing i I wanted to be a little honest with um with the the world although it's like psychics and that's a little bit divorced from reality Mm -hmm. um a lot of the uh a lot of reality of the the world is is a little bit of apathy in terms of the way people come at things and in investigations and everyone's sort of just doing a job they may be a little bit divorced from it and a lot of the breakthroughs in these cases are, are like a, a luck and they we we sort of attribute them to um talent and uh, expertise and and 
but a lot of the time it, it's just it is literally just it's just luck when there's a break in a case because um someone comes forward or someone makes a connection or someone just spots someone in the street and a psychic is sort of like a, a narrative embodiment of that luck mm-hmm. you know it's uh, it's it's a way of visualizing and so it's, it's a way of personifying that that un, unexplained. So, for instance, the in the story that the kids go missing, and it's um it's 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 luck that the uh, the mum called the right newspaper mm-hmm. who put it in front of a journalist who was eager to make her career, um, and she it, it could have easily fallen on someone else's desk and. It just got ignored and maybe just been a little piece about runaway kids or something and she she dug a little deep in in, in the story um i don't i don't think that answered your question i think I, I said a lot of words and then <laughs> <laughs> no you're fine you're fine again like i i really like how it just translates to the page here there's a lot of real world to this book that i don't know given the synopsis or, or whatever i i mean in all reality i didn't expect you know i i wasn't I didn't expect the uh, the subplot of the uh, accusations of infidelity, the um, oh yeah, the you know problems that Lena was going to have uh, getting you know her her uh, story out there, uh, working with the police, working with but, oh um, Cherry, yeah, okay, Cherry, yes, yes, uh, yeah. trying to work with Cherry through that, and then of course working with the psychic and everything, um, just just a lot of real world in this book that that you know on the surface seems like it would be such a fantastical thing you know you have this this frogman this boogeyman who kind of i don't know morphs throughout the story and everything and and you would figure that the the central focus would be on that but it's really not it's it's really on these characters and and uh lena's determination to to get this story out there and get you know rescue these kids and 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 free an, an innocent woman so i I can really appreciate your storytelling. I can really appreciate, uh, again, the artwork is just phenomenal, as well as your storytelling here. And it's such a, a high caliber for for uh, an unpublished uh, writer. So <laughs> <laughs> I just, that really blows my mind that, that you don't have anything else out there. And, and, and again, I think that, you know, to our listeners, anyone listening to this uh, uh, on any of our streaming platforms, as well as YouTube and everything, this is very, very worth your time. This is very, very worth your money. You, you're going to want to see this out there. You're going to want to read it and then read volume two. And then, uh, of course, read a, a potential volume three and then anything yeah. else that Lawrence is pumping out because this is the kind of creator that we need to see out there in, in the comics world, a, a fresh voice, um, someone who can tell a complete story, a complete realized story, and then team up with with such a good creative team. This is absolutely something you're you're going to want to back. So, can you please tell us a little bit more about your uh, Kickstarter, and then how we can how you know people can back you and find you on social media and, and wherever else? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we we have a um, we have a, a a website which which sort of um, will. We'll update with um, information on the, the the new book as um, as, as as soon as we can, and that's uh, inktythondreams dot com, mm-hmm. um, and that that's got all there. You can get the um, the original book um, issue one, which is the first twenty two pages um, of the novel, is is free up on there. If you if if anyone wants to check it out, you do. Um, want to check it out. <laughs> uh, it's also on. Um, 
comicsology and and all that stuff but yeah definitely definitely go to the website because then i get the money not uh not not jeff bezos um <laughs> but the uh other one uh so the kickstarter itself uh we, we're just setting up the page now so um i'm probably a little premature coming on the the show but uh it, it'll be in the next couple of days um but if uh yeah and then it'll um the best place to to get an update on that would be the the website so ink-dreams.com um, and that's where you can get all the get all the background stuff on the the book we put some auxiliary content on there as well so mm-hmm. um there's a little bit more information on um the world of of gray cells and the characters if if um if people people want to um explore a little bit um, and yeah, you can get the you can get the issues, uh, the the back issues through there, and there'll be uh, information on the the new book. Very cool. Now, have you thought at all about uh, again, like in, in in kind of closing here? But have you thought about uh, what you'll do with your different tiers of of I don't know, pledgers or backers <laughs> um, through Kickstarter? Yeah. So we um, we've. We had some some success last time with um, we we had like posters, mm-hmm. um, we had uh, a hardback, softback, um, like a collector's edition one. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some variant covers, um, and we'll, we'll definitely do uh, some tiers where you can you can have the both both um, both books together, so the original and the the second one um Kay's volunteered to do uh, some cool stuff which is like draw people into the the book if uh, if <laughs> if anyone's interested in in that very cool. um yeah that'll be what so Bob that, knows, don't worry uh, <laughs> we did do uh, we did do which was quite popular was um some tarot cards the tarot deck oh, cool. um, to go with it uh, because there's tarot features uh, quite a lot in the the book with um with one of the characters mm-hmm. um so yeah we we uh we we did a, a deck that went went along with it, so um, probably do probably do that one again. Everyone listening, you're you're absolutely going to want to back this. This is all I can say is go to his website and read that first issue. Go check that out. You're going to be hooked in and immediately want to read the next five, and then back the Kickstarter for volume two. It's very very good. Uh, this coming from a, a a place of you know. I don't know, like he said, Stephen King, Chris Claremont, uh, Bill St. Cabbage inspired art. This is this is something that you absolutely want in your in your comic book collection. I can I can attest to that. And something that you're absolutely gonna want to back, Lawrence Goodman, a creator that I mean you are gonna see more of. Absolutely. I, I can just imagine once, you know, uh some publishers get their hands on this, they're gonna want you writing original stories for them as well. And so <laughs> to wrap up in closing, the last thing I want to ask you, how do you see this story uh, fleshing out again? Do you plan on if your Kickstarter is successful, which I uh, assume it will be, continuing on to a volume three? Do you have stories in your head yeah. for a volume three? Okay. So we have uh, – so um, I had uh, – I pitched two stories to, to Kay um, okay. when, we, when we finished volume one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I said, "Do you um, you happy to keep going? Do you want to go again?" And he was like, "Yeah, of course I do. I, yeah. I'd love to." Um, so I, I said, "Do you want to?" So I've got two ideas. I can do this one, or I can do this one. Which will you prefer? Um, and he, he said he like he liked both. Um, so we've we've worked it. So the, the, there will be a third one, um, which will focus a lot more on um, 
Josh, who's the boy who was abducted in the the first book. Okay. Um, so that would be the that would be the, the the third one that we'll do. We're also doing um, uh, like an action adventure book as well in between, um, which is 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 completely separate from from this. Um, uh, and we're we're just in the planning phase for um, for for that one, uh, just to have a little bit of a, a change of flavour for us as as well. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely more to come from from me and the the team, and hopefully I can keep this team together for a long time because uh, we're really good and um, they are fantastic to work with, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I can just imagine with the with the level, the the quality that you guys are pumping out with with that first volume. Uh, like I said earlier, I would definitely want to continue with the same team as well. Very, very outstanding stuff. Is this something you could ever see if if you were I don't know approached by a studio or anything? W- would you ever turn this into a, a, a I don't know a Netflix show or a movie or anything? If somebody asked, I, I, I'm, I'm emailing them. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I'm, I'm knocking on the doors. Um, yes. There's been some people that have had some nice conversations with me, um, Very cool. but not. Uh, I've, I've not shaken any hands yet. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it translate really well to, to, to something, um, and it, it's quite episodic too. So yes. um, it, it, it was written with that in mind. Yeah, completely agreed. I could definitely see this as a as a show or something. Well, Lawrence, completely amazing to talk to you. Really happy to have you on on the podcast. And again, to everyone listening, you absolutely are going to want to back this Kickstarter. I know you said a little while ago it might be a little premature for you to be on the show now. Um, look, uh, we we have tons of people who go back and, and dig our you know back catalog of episodes as well as. You know, this will be posted on on our all of our socials and then uh, in the show notes as well, where to find you and and the Ink Dreams website and, and all of that. But yeah, I I, I cannot uh, strongly suggest enough that all of you listening go back this project. You're going to want to get on the ground level with Lawrence Goodman. Make sure you can I don't know get a signed copy of something or whatever because I guarantee you in in a good three or four years he'll be the top writer at like Marvel and DC. So uh, you're, you're definitely going to yeah. want to get on, on the ground floor there with, with Lawrence Goodman books. Um, yeah. If you do buy through the, if you do buy through the website, um, ping, ping me a nice note and I'll probably sign it for you because it's, <laughs> it's me. <there. laughs> Very nice. Well, well, Bob and I will definitely be sending you uh, one as well. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for coming on Lawrence. We really appreciate it. Again, everybody go check out the Kickstarter for Grace Cells. Make sure we get that volume two funded and out and appreciate it. And you're welcome back anytime. Thank you, Lawrence. It was a pleasure talking to you and hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We are back with the all new, all different number one comics podcast. Thank you for listening to that very special interview with Lawrence Goodman about his Kickstarter for Gray Cells. Bob, let's, Hit them with some new books that are coming out next week in local comic book shops. And before we get started on that, we have a very, very special announcement to make. Everyone, it is Bob's 25th birthday as of yesterday. Happy birthday, Bob, live on air. 
I wish I was 25. Well, it was your birthday at least. So. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Happy day after birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bob, what books are coming out next so, week? So, my disclaimer as usual, these <laughs> books are subject to change, especially the smaller imprints. You don't say. <laughs> um, from DC Comics, we have Superman number four. You mean the one with the debut of Silver Banshee's new powers? Yes, the one that uh, Dan and I will definitely be getting tomorrow. <laughs> definitely beginning next week. Absolutely. Um, also from DC, we have Batman slash Superman World's Finest number fifteen, with the first cover appearance of Ultra Morpho and a possible introduction of new Mazo. Mazo. Oh, Mazo. Whatever. <laughs> Jeff Mazos. Yeah. From Marvel Comics, we have Venom number 19. New character designed for Eddie Brock. Solicitation teases Brock will reach true enlightenment, which will <laughs> lead to his most powerful form yet. Budo Venom. Yes. I, I stole that joke from Bob. Namaste Venom. <laughs> yes. Uh, from Marvel Comics, we have Danny Ketch, Ghost Rider number one. This is going to be a five-part limited series written by the creator of Danny Ketch, Howard Mickey, And it's got a possible first cameo appearance of the broker, a villain that can boost the powers of Ghost Rider's enemies. Kind of sounded like the power broker. Yeah. <laughs> mm. From Again, from Marvel Comics, we have... Miles Morales, Spider-Man number six. Dude, that is such a sick cover. I cannot wait it, to get it, that. It really, it, it really is. I can't even explain that to our listeners other than it's Miles with the Carnage. Uh, just imagine the just, color red. Ah, uh, yeah, it's and, and fire and death and carnage. <laughs> it's great. Uh, from again from Marvel Comics, we have. Avengers number one, which will be the introduction of a new Avengers team. Yeah, excited for that introduction of the tribunal events, catastrophic events unleashed by the Ashen Combine. Yes. Um, from Again, from Marvel, we have Hulk Annual number one, which I found out the <laughs> monster on the front cover of Fantastic Four number one is named Giganto. That cool guy like ripping up the asphalt coming from the underground. Yeah, it's Hulk versus Giganto, the monster on the cover of Fantastic Four number one, and the preview of a new direction of the Hulk title launching this summer. For you Disney fans from Dynamite Comics, we have Disney Villains Maleficent number one. This should be cool. I'm excited about this one. Like we said, the Darkwing Duck book was pretty cool. The Scar book has been cool so far. This is another Disney villains book like the Scar one. Uh, it's the Sleeping Beauty antagonist. So, I don't know. Sounds cool. That that Maleficent movie was pretty awesome too. So, hopefully this pans out. Uh, from DC, we have Vigil number one. With a possible first appearance of Castle, a member of Vigil it's a solo series featuring the newly introduced team, The Vigil, a group of rogue metahumans targeting weaponized illegal technology. Uh, again from DC Comics, we have Titans number one. Wow, another Titans book, premiere of a series featuring the Teen Titans. 
1980s team. Now that is cool that they're <laughs> revisiting a Very team cool. from the 1980s. Yeah, I like that. Uh, again from DC, we have Cyborg number one. And this is going to be a six-issue limited series, the introduction of an aggressive new company transforming Detroit into an engine for revolutionary artificial intelligence. So if Jeff Bezos and Elon <laughs> Musk decided to make their own city. This is the third Jeff Bezos reference we've made on the podcast today. That's I know, cool. I know. Hey, uh, Jeff, can we get some free merch here? Or, you know, you could sponsor the podcast or something. Or you could you know, do that, too. Pay us, you know. Yeah, we're, just saying. We're generating business for you, sir. Yeah, you're getting free advertising. <laughs> and you need it. <laughs> and finally from DC, we have Batman the Brave and the Bold number one. This one will contain anthology of stories, including a four-part retelling of the first fight between, you guess it, Batman and... The Joker. Ah, come on. I thought we were going to say Mr. Bloom. <laughs> you know, if you haven't had enough Batman and Joker, here's another... <laughs> <laughs> and I know Dan has. <laughs> oh, so true. Guys, we are about to announce our next book, but we're going to do it live on air this time. That's right. We have one of those fancy spinning wheels with three titles on it, and only one can win. This is the book we'll be covering next week. It's either going to be Danny Ketch Ghost Rider, Avengers number one, or Disney Villains Maleficent from Dynamite Comics. Bob, I'm going to spin the wheel. Let's see what happens. I don't know if you guys can hear that cool wheel spinning sound effect, but it's there. And it looks like it has landed on Danny Ketch Ghost Rider. That's right. We will be... Wow, it even did an applause. I hope that's on the audio on this, because that sounds amazing. <laughs> that's right. We'll be covering our second Ghost Rider book here on the podcast on episode number 19. Stay tuned for that. I got to say, I'm kind of looking forward to that, because I do not know a whole lot about Danny Ketch. <laughs> well, Danny Ketch is a Ghost Rider, and it should be fun, is all I can Who say. Who hasn't been a Ghost Rider nowadays? <laughs> you? Yeah, maybe in my former life. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess I don't know that you haven't been, but mm. yeah, you're right. You're right. Guys, that's it. Thanks so much for hanging out. We had a wonderful time. Thanks for checking out Lawrence and his Kickstarter. Greatly appreciated. Let's get that thing funded. And as always, make sure you check us out on Instagram at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast. On Twitter at A-N-A-D-N-O comic pod on TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod and on YouTube at the comic book channel. As always, this and every week, all you got to do is tag us with the hashtag all new, all different nation and a post on social media of your choice to enter our giveaway of the comic book that we covered this week. That's right. Sent straight to your house. All you got to do is use that hashtag Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>